0: Welcome to the Opawa Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our church, visit us on any Sunday or online at opawa.org.nz last couple of weeks we've been looking at places, places in the Holy Land that have meaning. First week we talked about uh, Judea and the whole political historical background of what led up to when Jesus was born. You know all the uh, from Alexander the Great all the way through to Cleopatra and uh, the Seleucids and the Ptolemies and all sorts of things that were happening around the life of Je- uh, before Jesus was born and how it shaped uh, the Jews of the time. Last week, what did we talk about? Egypt, and what was the thing about Egypt? What was the relationship between Israel and Egypt? Yes, it was a place of escape, a place of refuge. You always see them running to Egypt. Um, Even when they did escape Egypt, they wanted to go back to Egypt. Um, It just had this kind of uh, stigma on on the Israelites for for all their lives. And how Egypt, even in our own lives, we have our own Egypts, our own places where we run to constantly, and how God has delivered us from that. We don't need to go back. Um, Well, this morning... We're going to be talking about uh, a little town called Nazareth. Um, Nazareth. But before that, let me just give you that map of uh, Judea again. And I'm going to get out a better pointer because this guy doesn't work so well. But um... So that's the, um, the map of Judea. So this green part, which you can kind of barely see here, that is Judea at the time of Jesus' birth. The top northern section, this grey area here, so this is where Galilee is, and all along here, and down here is a place called Perea. It wasn't part of Judea. And then on the right here is the Decapolis, which kind of borders along the Sea of Galilee and goes down. And that was the, uh, the setup of the region at the time. Um, we have Nazareth, which is actually in Perea, in the area of Galilee, then we've got Bethlehem, where Jesus was born. And then, of course, Jerusalem. Now, the big problem about Nazareth is a couple of things. First of all, it wasn't part of Judea. Now, this is important. okay? It wasn't really part of the main, hey, this is us. There's also another thing. It was broken up between Judea with a place called Samaria. Samaria was where the Samaritans lived, and the Jews didn't like them very much. Now, if you go back into your history, originally, this whole region was broken up amongst the tribes of Israel. The northern tribe was broken up and taken away by the Assyrians. Now, what happened after that, we really don't know. They talk about the lost tribes of Israel, But the Samaritans were peoples that came from the northern kingdom But the problem was they had married foreigners And the Jews were like, yeah, they're just untouchables They've kind of dirtied the blood We don't associate ourselves with them We're the only true nation left, right? Does that sound familiar, by the way? Gosh, history just kind of repeats itself over and over again, doesn't it? Anyway, so the Jews kind of said, hey, this is us. The Samaritans up there, they're, they're a dirty lot. They're, they're kind of mixed blood. We don't like to associate ourselves with them. And the poor old Galileans who lived up here, they were separated from Judea by Samaria. So the Jews really didn't look favorably towards the Galileans. They're far off. We don't mix with them. So... You know, they are part of a region called Perea They were not part of Judea And this is something that's really important Especially when we come to find out When Jesus decide, or Joseph goes to decide To live back there The largest town is a town called Tiberius, Which was actually named after The river in Rome, the Tiber River And 11 Of the 12 apostles Came from the Galilee That's a really important point too You know the twelfth one? Who the 12th Apostle was that didn't come from Galilee? Judas. Judas. Yeah, Judas Iscariot. Coincidence? I don't know. Anyway, so 11 of the 12 Apostles came from there. Nazareth itself was a very small town. Uh, We talked last week about uh, Bethlehem being maybe the size of Ashburton compared to Christchurch, right? Just a small outlying town. Um, actually, you would have considered it more like Hallswell, to be honest, because it was much closer to, Beth, to Jerusalem, more, more like a suburb of Jerusalem. But Nazareth was even smaller than that, less than 2,000 people at the most. Uh, very small place. It's where Mary was from and where Joseph lived. So Mary was from Nazareth. Uh, Joseph himself lived there, but he was originally from Bethlehem. He was a descendant of David In Luke 2, uh, 1-5 it says this At the time of the Roman Emperor Augustus Decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire This was the first census taken when Quirinus was governor of Syria Syria would be the northern area of, of Galilee All returned to their own ancestral homes to register for this census And because Joseph was a descendant of King David He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea David's ancient home He travelled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee He took with him Mary, his fiancée Who was now obviously pregnant So obviously pregnant means she had a belly Right? Okay, kind of like me, just a bit Yep Okay, so she was going from there to there Now this is no small journey Okay 80 miles if you took a straight line from top to bottom so it would have taken them six days Now if you read that verse before Were they married? So six days They're travelling And they're not even married I mean nowadays we don't think about this Back then And we'll bring it up more next week When we talk about Bethlehem But they're travelling together She's pregnant They would have gone pretty slow Here, She would have been on a donkey Making their way To to Bethlehem Which was his home So there's a lot of questions that come out of this For the good historian Why is Joseph in Nazareth? Why is he not with family in Bethlehem? Why would he go even as far as Nazareth? Why would he leave Judea? There's all sorts of questions that that arise in this Why didn't he marry Mary before the baby was born? Why would he not do that? He knows what's right, he knows what the law says Why didn't he do that? Another thing you need to take into consideration They're teenagers Who here is 13 years old? Come up front here Any... Daniel, come up here Okay, you only got one wife, not two, but hey (laughs) Imagine these guys Traveling on their own, she's pregnant. Okay? She's pregnant. Oh, she's pregnant. Okay. Only one, okay? One. Okay. This guy, this poor guy, is leading her on an 80 mile trip. Now, remember what happened to the Good Samaritan? Anyone remember that story? They got beaten up by who? Thieves on the road. It's not a safe journey. You've got a kid. Who's looking after another kid who's carrying a kid? You can sit down now. <laughs> but you've got, to, you've got to picture it. You know, I know the times were different, but they're still kids. They're still young. So just imagine the scenario that's going on here. This is a big trip that he's taking. It's a big responsibility he's taking. Kind of changes things around a bit next week i'll tell you a bit more when they get to bethlehem what that means and why a stable is even involved in this whole story When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Now Joseph, at this point, the baby's born, they're born in Bethlehem. Now, 40 days later, he escapes. He goes through Jerusalem, gets the baby dedicated. Jesus is dedicated in the temple after 40 days, and they're off to Egypt. Why? Because they're worried about Herod. God says go to Egypt Now while he's in Egypt he gets a dream He says get up, the angel said Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel Because those who were trying to kill the child Are now dead Herod has died Most probably about two to three years that they spent in Egypt uh, Jesus would have been a toddler at the time Hey, dude, you can go back now So Joseph gets up and returns Guess where he thinks he's going to return to Anyone want to venture a guess? Bethlehem, yes. And now I don't, the Bible doesn't say anything here. I'm, I'm going to throw out my own theories on this. But he tries to go back to Bethlehem. Why? Because he's holding the Son of God. He's got the Messiah in his arms now. And the Messiah, where should the Messiah grow up? It must be growing up in Judea. Hey, David's town, Bethlehem, that's where my family is. It's down the road from Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the holy city. So as a good father, he's thinking ahead. I'm going back to Bethlehem. So Joseph got up, but when he learned that a new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So where does he go? Back to where it all started in Nazareth. He takes them back to Nazareth. Uh, this is an interesting story just to give you an idea about what Nazareth is about the next day Jesus decided to go to the Galilee to the, to the lake and he found Philip and he said to him come follow me and Philip was from Bethsaida Bethsaida of which five of the apostles that we know of came from this little town of about 800 people Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, hey, we've found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaims Nathanael. Can any good come from Nazareth? Now, I find it interesting, every country I go to, the prejudices that the countries have, that you don't know about unless you live there, right? Right? You go to the States, everyone makes fun of West Virginia. I don't know why, I've been through West Virginia, it's actually quite nice. Um, but people just have this thing, and the Americans have this thing about West Virginia. Some of them have it about Mississippi and Alabama, and they make fun of it, or they've got these ideas about what Californians are like, uh, or the people from New England up in the northeast. And so it's interesting, when you're not from the country and you get there and you find these prejudices coming out, when I came to New Zealand... I found that Aucklanders in particular have very strong prejudices. Something about the South Island, I don't know, that they have, you know, they they just have these prejudices. And I've noticed even on the South Island, we have our prejudices. Southland, right? (laughs) Okay we'll put it this way, Nazareth okay, Galilee first of all all of Judea are prejudiced towards Galilee, they look at it as being a breakaway state that is off in the far corner that is away from it all, they're all yokels up there, they all do farm work up there, they're all weird up there, they're all inbred up there, you know all the things that you think about when it comes to prejudice, right? They've got That's the way we think of Galileans we think of them as being now When you go to the Galilee, they've got their own prejudices. So these are the people at the bottom of the barrel. And it happens to be Nazareth. It's kind of like Southland and this little town in Southland called Gore. I don't know why I've never been there. It's just what I hear. But apparently, not much good comes out of Gore. Is that true or am I wrong in saying that? I get get no's and I get yes's (laughs) It's not true. <laughs> but Nazareth was considered worse. You know, it's like Jesus was born in Ashburton and his dad decides to move to Gore. Usually from what I understand, people are moving away from Gore but he was moving into Nazareth, which was this little town. It was off the beaten track. It was up on a hill. It wasn't easy to get to. It was a little bit uh, rough. It wasn't really well situated. It wasn't popular. It had a few ruffians there. They were known for their uh, negative, No, well, they're not very good social skills. You know, it, it, That was what Nazareth was all about. So why would Joseph move back to that? And this is the town that Mary grew up in. So when you look on a map, now regardless of prejudice and all that, you look at a town or a country like New Zealand, and you think the Messiah who's going to save the world, and you look at that map and you think what town would that Messiah be born in, and you'd start with Auckland, or Wellington, or maybe Christchurch. And then you look at the second tier towns, well maybe Nelson, maybe, I don't know, uh, or Hamilton. Uh, you know, but the last thing you'd think of is maybe Gore or, or Greymouth or, I don't know, Hockaticka. You don't think of these places of the Messiah coming out of, that's where he grew up. And of course, Nathaniel, who's a Galilean. What is the deal with it? Anything good come out of Nazareth? Really? Popularity and riches do not equal holiness or wisdom. I didn't know how to phrase this properly. But as I was thinking it through, why would the Almighty God choose first of all Bethlehem for his son to be born and then choose for that son to be raised in Nazareth? I mean, he's not going to get the best schooling there. He's not going to get the best teaching. He's not going to have the best examples of people around him. It's not the best place to grow up in. And if he had a choice of the whole nation of Israel, why would he choose Nazareth? He's making a pretty big point. Popularity and riches do not equal holiness or wisdom, which goes contrary to who we are as a society today. You know that? Guess who are the people in this world today that dictate how we live? Anyone want to venture a guess? Who are the most influential people in the world today? Sorry? Rich, give me me a profession. Media? Actors, actresses. Actors, for some reason, they live a life of a lie. That's okay. They live a life of a lie. And we go to them... For opinions. Jack Nicholson gives an opinion, everybody wants to know about it. Tom Cruise, why is he still in the news? I mean, seriously, they dictate culture, they dictate how we live. Musicians, they tell, they're the ones who dictate how we live. Popularity, riches. There's an assumption, especially in the church, that the rich person knows is wise because they're rich. And what's Jesus' response to that? How easy is it for a rich man to get into heaven? Nazareth was, was the dumps, okay? If we see a person who comes from Fendleton and another person who comes from Arunui, what are our initial responses, our initial thoughts going to be? Let's be honest. If we see a street kid with tattoos who's Maori and a European kid who's dressed in an Armani suit, who are we, what are our thoughts going to be? How are we going to react to either of them? Let's be honest here. Well, guess what? Jesus came from Aranui. That's got to change our way of thinking. Nazareth was the dumps, it was the low of the low. It wasn't just Galilee, it was even the Galileans looked kind of negatively on Nazareth. Popularity and riches, what they do do is they bring arrogance and pride. I'm tired of hearing an actor give me an opinion on how I should live my life. Especially since they live a lie. They act. Why would I trust them? Musicians. I love music. You see me playing the guitar. I love music. It's shaped me. But it shouldn't dictate my life. And yet people grow up with music dictating their lives. Riches. I'm not... You know, businessmen, politicians These guys who have a lot of money I'm not trying to paint it on everybody I'm not trying to But you know what, we tend to just kind of look at them As being a step above us And they're not They're no different to you and me And we've got to be careful because sometimes And you see it uh, Who was it, Idi Amin Made a great comment When he was destroying his country Of Uganda He used to say, get a poor soldier give him money give him riches and he will be mine because he will never want to go back to where he came from because it's harder and harder to let go of what I've got God chose Nazareth to show the world he's challenging us to say hey You expected the Messiah to come out of Jerusalem. You expected the Messiah to come out of Athens or Rome. You expected the Messiah to come as a bolt of lightning out of the sky with fiery angels all around screaming in hallelujah so the whole world could see. And yet, actually, he came in a small manger in a small town and then left that town to go to an even smaller town of less renown so that for 30 years of his life we don't even know what he's done. God chose Nazareth to show the world. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. That goes completely against our culture. It goes completely against our thinking. Because I think if we're powerful, we can change the world. And yet it's actually in being powerless that we then have the power to change the world. Talk about flipping things over a little bit, huh? I'm being really confusing at the end of it. Um, This past week I've been reading up on the results of the census that was taken in this country uh, just a few months ago. And the results are out. And they're very, very interesting, Um, One of the results that came out was this one. Religious affiliation. Those who say they're Christian, whether they're Baptists or Anglicans or Catholics or other, um, and those who say they don't believe in any religion, they're not affiliated, they have no association with any kind of religion. These are the trends since 1996. Now, if you can see, being Christian in 1996, 63% of the population of New Zealand said they were Christian in 1996. Today, 49.1%. In 1996, 25% said they weren't religious, they didn't have any religion at all. And today, that's 41%. How is it, how is it, that a nation that has no persecution, that has the freedom to believe, has the luxuries, and we can't grow Christianity here. Since 1996, the population of New Zealand has increased 15%. Christianity has decreased by 14%. Less than half of the population believes in God today, almost as many as those that don't believe in God. Hinduism, Islam, and Sikh religions have increased by 100 to 400%. In this nation, I think the largest one's the Sikh religion. Roman Catholicism is now the largest Christian denomination. It's bigger than Anglican Church here. I think that's the first time in history in New Zealand. There are some good brethren people that would say Roman Catholicism is not a Christian religion. But since 1996, how is it that a nation like our nation that has everything, that has the power, that has the luxury, that has no persecution. We've got this building. We've got all the tools to see God's kingdom grow. And nothing's stopping us. And we're declining. And yet, since 1970, in Nepal, Christianity has grown from 0.1% to 3.8%. Now just for those of you who might be mathematically challenged, each 0.1% is doubling the numbers. That's a huge growth. In China, 0.1% to 10.6%. In the Saudi Arabia, the center of Islam. This is where Mecca is, okay? The center of Islam has gone from 0.3 to 4.6. That's huge. In Singapore 7.8% to 21.7 that's today. United Arab Emirates, Dubai, Abu Dhabi 5.9 to 12.9. Cambodia 0.5 to 3.6. Burkina Faso in Africa 9% to 24.8. These are nations where Christianity is not the main religion. Where Christianity is actually illegal in some of them. And they're growing. They don't have this. How is it that that happens and it doesn't happen here? We have it too good. Yeah. We have it too good. Maybe. Just maybe we have it too good. Yeah. Nazareth brings about a fresh perspective. As we think of Christmas, as we think of, you know, Jesus being born and we're all celebrating, I think it's a challenge for us to kind of look at ourselves and think, where are we at? Are we Jerusalem, that are just kind of really self-secure in the place that we're in? Or are we Nazareth, where we're challenged maybe to be more than what God has called us to be? Nazareth is not a crutch. And maybe we need to take a step back and give up on some of our luxuries if that means we will grow in Christ, if we will see his kingdom grow. Are you prepared to do that? Are you prepared to do that? It also reminds us to not forget where we came from. We were all sinners We were all broken before God. Now that we have made new in Him, we've built our palaces. And we've forgotten what it means to be from Nazareth. Once you were dead... Because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers, in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, who is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Do you remember who you were? Do you remember where you came from? Do you remember how far from God you were? Christmas time is a great time, don't get me wrong. Be challenged by Jesus and his life. And start looking. Last week I asked you to look at your Egypt. Where is your Egypt? This week I'm going to ask you, where is your Nazareth? Where is your Nazareth? And maybe, just maybe, you need to reconnect with that. Maybe, just maybe, you need to take a step back. Find your Nazareth. Because that is where God changed you. That is where God raised you. That's where he built you up. And that's what he wants you to remember. Because what happens is we move to Jerusalem and we've got our buildings and we've got our things and then all of a sudden our belief, our Christian lives, our spiritual growth stagnates. It stops. And then we get figures like we just saw of a nation that should be raging in growth. should be Exploding in growth and it's not the opposite's happening more and more people are not believing in God and when you go to nations who who, who should not be believing in God who are forced not to even allow to believe it and they're growing they're growing so where is your challenge where is our challenge where is your Nazareth?